0: Hello once again, Cougar Nation. We are back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for another edition of The Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we will look back at BYU's Wired-to-Wire win over Utah with defensive coordinator Eli Satuayaki and special teams coordinator and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. We'll get players of the week on offense, defense, and special teams, and we'll preview this upcoming Saturday's matchup of ranked teams as BYU hosts Arizona State. BYU off to a 2-0 start to the season for a second straight season after Saturday night's 26-17 win over Utah. First win over the Utes since 2009. Outstanding effort from the entire team, but the defense standing tall all night long. Big play after big play, and defensive coordinator Eli Satuayaki here to break it all down. Good to see you, E. It's good to be back. Well, let's take care of the shirt first since it's going to draw a lot of attention today. Uh, you have a shirt, uh, the front of it, which reads, I read dead people. And uh, the back of the shirt, which nobody can see. I'll get up so everybody can see. So let's do it. Uh, there you go. BYU English department. Now let's get into the background, how this came to you.
1: So Coach, Coach Lamb's daughter, this uh, is, is uh, I don't know if she's an English major or she just t- takes a lot of classes there. But she came, she showed up with a shirt, and, and Coach Lamb said, I want a shirt like that, because he, he graduated uh, here as an English major. And uh, he said, Well, Galani's an English major as well, and E is too, so let's just get them all shirts. And so Galani and Ed obviously graduated here as uh, a major in English, and I was an English major as well. And so one of the, I don't think there's any other staff in the country that has I was gonna say three English majors on their staff. Head coach and two
0: coordinators. Yep. All right, nice shirt, and we'll get on with the show. Good stuff. <laughs> all right, the streak. It's over. Uh, 12 years, nine games. Uh, in what ways did coaches uh, refer to it if they did? Or do you even need to in the week of the Utah game?
1: Didn't didn't refer much to the streak, just really, um, you know, Kalani, Kalani promoting everybody to just be in their best self to just enjoy the moment um, that, you know, the, the venue was going to be really, really cool. And it was it was unbelievable atmosphere. And and uh, pl- I thought that the players played loose because of the message from the head coach and, um, you know, they went out to win and and uh, and it was just—it was just really, really—it was really cool to be a part of.
0: From a personal standpoint, and knowing you weren't a part of all the games, in fact, you were on the other side for a while as well. Um, what do you think it? Uh, what was its real meaning in this whole thing—the fact that it had been so many years, and that it became kind of a, a life of its own kind of thing? Where it's, now it's a long streak.
1: Yeah, it's—I uh, mean, the, the rivalry. I mean, whether there's a streak, streak there or not. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's always an intense thing. And, growing up as a fan uh, being on both sides of it I mean it, it's a game that means a lot to everybody to the whole state um, you know with social media now and everybody kind of just getting after each other it's it's an important game and um, you know I know just cougar cougar nation waking up on on the Sabbath and the, the air smelled a little bit fresher and you know the <laughs> sky a little bit bluer and it's just it was it was huge for us and and uh, the fan base is uh, the players. I mean, to be able to accomplish that and bring the, bring the fans something that they wanted for so long was, was, uh, was a great feeling. And now the teams
0: won't see each other for a couple years. And by the time they get back together again, uh, they'll both be in the P5 situation. And maybe uh, level playing field being, a more, you know, being more of a part of it. This thing goes maybe a little more back and forth over the years to come. And we don't see that maybe tip. Uh, unless, of course, it's in BYU's favor. I'll take that. But uh, you know what I'm saying?
1: for sure for sure i think i think regardless of what conference we're in or or what's going on i've always been a, a big fan of just the the, the game i know when, when i was still at utah coaching and and uh you know they were talking about not playing and all that stuff you know i didn't really have a say just because i was a position coach but when we had our meetings and they brought up the subject i was i was disappointed just as a as a fan as a uh you know as just 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 a big fan of the rivalry in general i thought that even though, you know, Utah was going to the Pac-12 and, and their unsurety of just whether we play, I thought that was a big disappointment not to. I think we need to be playing every single year.
0: Okay, uh, my broadcast partner, Riley Nelson, uh, talked on the air about the confidence he observed in just body language and kind of a vibe he picked up even from the booth
1: during the game. You're in the booth, could you sense the same thing? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I think, like I said, it goes back to, for, from, the, from the top, working all the way down. I mean, the message from Kalani, just how he wanted the boys to be loose, never talked about winning at all just talked about uh, doing your best playing your best service love playing for each other um i I felt like the way that the way the the boys played was more based off of just faith and and being able to take care of business than fear of of uh, failing and um, i think that's that's the confidence that he saw
0: in the game itself, Utah never really got going because first two possessions, two BYU takeaways. That was kind of like just what you dialed up or hoped to dial up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was huge. The the interception were out the gate and and, uh, Lorenzo causing the fumble and us coming away with them. It was huge for us and, um, you know, even throughout the the rest of it, you know, our our offense was playing a really, really good defense and came away with three points with that, but it was never really a a panic moment for us as coaches. you know, a lot of times, defensive coaches get frustrated because the offense isn't doing anything with takeaways or any of that stuff. But we stuck together, even in the box, and, and uh, as coaches, and knew that it would be a battle all the way the end, and, and we'd come out on top.
0: And Kalani talked about too. He wanted the turnover situation to be more than just well, offense has to take care of the ball. Yeah. It's got to be other people doing things.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just as much on us as de- on, on defense to, to get the ball back, and um, you know, the fourth, the fourth down stop as well. I mean. You don't you don't do that to 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 a, a Utah defense where you get the ball back and then you just drive 93 yards or something like that and and uh, You know right before the half that's that's just that's just not something that you do to a Utah defense and, and it was great to see the offense uh, Respond and and do do things that uh, you know, they needed to do
0: and they did take care of the ball uh, zero turnovers again yep. uh, BYU's won 14 straight now when they just don't turn the ball over and the Cougars have won 16 straight when you're just even or plus in the margin it means so much. Yeah,
1: it's you've got to eliminate that. And I, I, our offense has done, a, done an amazing job in the last uh, uh, year, right? Like uh, just taking care of the football, it's, it's uh, meant a lot to them. It's meant a lot to the team. And, um, you know, the, the defense just so much more confident with the way the offense is playing, too. And
0: it's not like BYU's dialing things back offensively. They still want to be aggressive. They still want to go for shots and explosives. But they've, they've done it while well, taking care of the ball at the same time. So beyond takeaways. What are some particular things you wanted your defense to get done against Utah?
1: You know, uh, stop the run. You know, I thought that uh, <clears throat> uh, Andy Ludwig, just his personality, just, just the Utah culture is to come in and establish physicality. And it was important for us to make sure that we were physical and stopping the run, um, you know, taking opportunities to, to be aggressive when we can. Um, you know, that we counted up as coaches, there were three plays that accounted for 104 rushing yards and mm-hmm. a touchdown. And it was all just missed assignments and and you know something like that and so we take that away we're holding them you know under 90 yards and and feel good about the night but um you know great thing for us to come back and talk about after a win is yeah uh, it could have been even more if we're if we're taking care of business and assignment sound and tackling better and doing all those things
0: meantime the offense gave you a 10 nothing lead to work with and BYU hasn't trailed yet in the game yet this season I didn't know that. (laughs) In fact, you got to go back to San Diego State second quarter of last season to find the last time you trailed. Nice to play with that cushion.
1: It is. It is absolutely. It's defense changes when it's when it's like that. You know, you you find uh, more opportunities to dial things up. You're not you're not defending the run as much. Maybe you you flip it and look at what Utah had to do. I mean, they're they're basically playing four minute offense, having to stop the run, and it's uh, it's really difficult even when you know it's coming. An offense is running the ball and, and your offense isn't scoring. I mean, that's that's really hard to situation to be in. And uh, happy that our offense is playing the way they are uh, in the last in the last season, too, just because it, it changes the way the defense yeah. plays
0: uh, They brought in a great quarterback in Charlie Brewer. Uh, in fact, he went over 10,000 career passing yards in the BYU game. You kept him under a buck 50 on the night and you got home on him a couple times as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really good quarterback. Obviously, he's so many things that he's done. Well, a lot of yards throughout his career, but um, you know, trying to keep him off balance and, and not give him any clean looks and rolling coverages and doing all those things was important for us to try to uh, make sure that he didn't get into a groove. Once
0: the game did get to 10-7, uh, your guys had that massive stop on fourth and two from the BYU eight-yard line in the second quarter. And we already talked about what came after that, but that stop was was huge because Utah had a chance for points, got nothing on the trip.
1: Yeah, that was – that was. Uh, I think we, we had given up – Actually, uh, a couple of big plays and uh, some a late hit. Yep. That that put them into situation and and I thought the, for the defense to show up when we needed them in the red zone and and the boys have been pre- pretty good in the red zone. I mean, they've showed up in a good way uh, for for the most part. Played really really good red zone defense and and uh, excited about that. But that was a huge stop for us.
0: And on that particular play, they just counted on their offensive line to get the push, and you had to just push right back, and you did.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had uh, I thought the front, the D tackles played really well. Um, you know, besides a couple of plays, DN's D ends played really well, too. But we've got a good front and, and uh, a good physical front. We run deep. We, we play a bunch of guys. And I think it's important for our future to continue to invest in the young guys and just get those, those, those guys reps. We had a couple of true freshmen that came in and played, and it's important for us to develop those guys when we can in big games.
0: Is it, is, is it about as deep as you think you've been in terms of the ability to rotate in that front four with guys you trust?
1: It is, it is, yeah. We you know we have a lot lot more youth this year, but um certainly trust all of them, right? You know, you've got guys like John Nelson and and uh Blake Mangles that are that are, you know, stepping up and playing. Blake only played four snaps, I think. Um, John played think eleven or thirteen or something like that. But Blake's reps, I mean, he was unbelievable in the in the two-minute drill, just creating pressure for himself. I thought the refs missed a holding call on him, and I think He's got a bright future. The front's got a really bright future here at BYU. Cause you're
0: pushing around 10 guys right now that can play for you right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's we, a good number. We've note. got a couple that are in the developmental crew that are, you know, uh, just just playing on scout team that are that that are they look the part. They're big and strong. They're just haven't broken the depth chart yet. All right.
0: It is time for a break. When we come back, how BYU's defense helped preserve a 26-17 win over Utah at a sold-out Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday night. We'll get get Coach Tuiaki's Defensive Players of the Week as well. As we head to break, we remind you that BYU Football with Kalani Sitake airs Tuesday night, 6.30 Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. We'll have a sold-out live studio audience. I say sold-out. Tickets are free, but it'll be a full house. Hit the seat request link on my Twitter feed each week, and we'll see you tomorrow night. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We're back with Coach E right after this. Snap to Brewer. BYU comes hard. They blitz. It's picked off. Picked off near side. Chaz you on the INT. Turnover margin's been almost everything in this series. And the early turnover goes to BYU. The Cougs in business. And we are back on the coordinator's corner with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Eli Satuayaki. BYU ranked 23rd now in both major polls after a 26-17 win over Utah in Provo on Saturday night. This week it is BYU home to Arizona State. Sun Devils ranked 19th and 21st. It was a sold-out crowd at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And, Coach, you've had two tremendous playing environments in your first two weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the the fans showing up to Vegas was, was unreal. And then, this, I mean, we were, watching, we're watching our film just the, as coaching staff and kind of looking over it. And there are a lot of plays where the camera's shaking and you don't know, see them. It's shaking. It's hard. It's kind of like feels like you're watching a fuzzy picture just because the whole stadium is shaking while we're watching film.
0: And it was wonderful that, uh, that there was a race again. We see the, the Vegas situation followed by the Provo uh, to be sold out. Uh, and, and the video boards got done just in time for that game race against time. Great work by that crew and to see so much at royal blue in the house on a rivalry night it was uh, pretty incomparable. we might get to this a little later but uh, a lot of those fans that filled the stands ended up on the field by the end of it
1: which is pretty cool yeah that was i was coming down from the box and trying to <laughs> cross the field to get to the uh, to the other side trying to cross the field trying to cross the field it was <laughs> it was packed by the time i got down there
0: well in this Utah game a 16 to 7 lead at halftime the offense scored that touchdown right before the break uh, that was huge right and that, but then Utah gets the ball to start the second half but then first drive of the second half, you forced them into a three and out. So they weren't able to really again get that momentum that maybe BYU just took right back at the end of the first.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's it's huge for us to come up and come up with a stop at that point. And, and uh, I mean, any, anytime you can you can keep an offense off uh, off their off their game and, and just a little bit out of kilter, it'll be be a benefit for the defense.
0: So a three and out to start the second half for BYU. By the way, we saw a lot of those. We saw a couple, maybe two or three deflections that were almost picks too at the line, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a part of the game plan was just um, felt like this quarterback was very comparable to UCF's quarterback. And so the game plan and some of the packages were the same. We try to uh, stay frontal in our rushes and and, uh, make it a little bit more difficult for them.
0: Uh, Next time Utah got the ball, they snapped nine plays. It was actually their longest drive of the night, nine plays, but ends with no points uh, as they got. They got as deep as the 26 yard line and then uh, Jacob Robinson, a third down PBU and then a missed field goal. And it almost feels like those drives, especially if they're longer, where you get nothing out of it, it takes a little bit more out of that team's
1: offense like yeah, it did. Yeah, it does. You, When you're down and, and you're, you're driving down, I mean, first of all, you don't want to take field goal. But when you have to and you don't get the points, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to come back from that. How's Jacob played for you, by the way, Robinson? He's, he's been awesome. Jacob's doing a really good job. He's, he's uh, immediately made our, our nickel packages uh, so much better with just his ability to cover.
0: The next BYU possession, Pugs went on a 10-play touchdown drive. Turns out to be the game-winning touchdown uh, to Gunnar Romney. There's that missed field goal. But uh, Utah kind of made you work to finish this one out. Uh, they made they scored 10 straight points and made it a six-point game. Five minutes to go in the fourth. Kind of felt like the Arizona game all, all over again. 10 straight points, one score game. You needed one last score to close it out. You did get that on offense, well, with a
1: field goal to, to seal the deal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's never never over until it's over, especially in a game like this where. Um, you know, you can you can almost see a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're mm-hmm. you, you feel like you're about to come out of it. But I mean, we didn't we didn't believe it until the until the clock went to zero. It was just uh, it was that kind of feeling, at least in the in the box.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, anyone who's been through enough of these games does feel the same way. There's never <laughs> enough points, and the lead's never large enough. But it did come down to came down to, to one final defensive series to lock this one out. Can you kind of take us through it?
1: Yeah. It was uh, you know th- there was uh, there there was uh, I think just a little over two minutes left and. We felt like proper time to uh, sit and drop eight and bring it home. Have those guys—they well, were down two possessions. They would have to burn a lot of clock and throw a lot of check downs, and we could rally and tackle. Them. If we got them in bounds, it would kill a lot more clock. And and if they, even if they continued to move it down, we would tighten up as we got got into the red zone. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, they floated that last ball on the fourth down, and we were able to get out of it.
0: Such a team effort, both uh, on the field and in the booth, and relative to. Uh, both communication, game day, and game planning during the week. Can you give us some insight into, you know, how you design your process uh, defensively uh, between you and your staff?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when you you think about a coordinator, you think that he's got autonomy to do everything, and he does everything, makes all the decisions. But I think it's so important that the staff, um, uh, the staff gets credit. The staff get credit where credit to due. I mean, there's so much that goes into the process. There's there are different talents in the room. There's different people that are good at different things. And, uh, you know, when you first start the, uh, at the beginning of the week, you know, you're you're uh, you're looking at film. You have, you have people who are really talented to be able to pick things out and say, okay, I think we should do this. You start putting things up on a blank board and you've got other guys that are talented in and in, in, uh, troubleshooting it. And, and uh, I mean, I think it's very important uh, in the process that you have different voices. You've got the voice of reason, you've got the voice of of uh the wonder who you know the guy that's drawn things up and and i'm not all of them right I've, I, I bring a couple things to the table i just happen to be that guy with the with the, with the title but um you know coach lamb coach clune guilford and and Hadley, I man, those those guys do such a tremendous job and having two former coordinators uh, a former head coach in the room as well as just galani when he peeks in and he's, he's able to contribute those guys all uh, evenly bring a lot to the table. And I think it's very important those guys get credit for all the work that they do.
0: Is there a voice of passion or emotion? Who's that guy?
1: Coach Hadley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coach Coach Hadley's that guy. Um, you know, Co- Coach Lamb actually about three or four different voices. He's really, really good, really talented, unbelievably intelligent man. And um, you know, obviously having Coach Klune that's been a coordinator before, and and he's a guy that just knows how to push things through at the end of it. And um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll come up with questions. Really, my deal is kind of punching holes in questions. And Coach Lamb is, is uh, so talented in seeing things. You know, seeing things, and um, I think I think he's just got a knack for that. And we, we'll all just put put the game plan together. But I think he brings so much to the table. And I think I've said it in the past, but is, he could easily, and and should get a lot of credit for the defense because he he does a lot for yeah. us.
0: Well, tremendous collaborative effort in getting the win and getting you to uh, to two and zero. We mentioned it earlier briefly with you trying to get across the the field. Storm was pretty phenomenal. I mean, everybody came out. It seemed like and uh, and it took a while for everyone to get back into the locker room as a result. But those are great moments uh, as a coach and as a player,
1: and I think for the fans on the field too to celebrate that kind of life. yeah, yeah. My mom was there with my daughters, <laughs> and I, I ran into my daughters in the in the in the hall, and they said, uh, Grandma jumped over, <laughs> and so. My mom was out there somewhere just she, she <laughs> hopped it I didn't I did I thought she'd get hurt but she made it
0: <laughs> I had family members on the field as well what a scene that was uh, in the locker room Uh, I I think it was Jaron Hall who was talking with us on the radio post game. And he said, I said, it kind of got to me that 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 or it had gotten back to me that maybe Kalani had never gotten the game ball or maybe not recently or something. And Mm -hmm. and the presentation was to Kalani for the game ball.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely deserving. I mean, our the way that our team, the way that our our staff all feel about him, right, as as the, the leader of our team, as the as the head coach, I mean, he brings so much and just done a really good job building the culture of the team. Uh, around love and learning and and uh, the boys all the boys all love them
0: there's the presentation right there there you are e special moment for kalani and the guys on saturday night it's fantastic all right uh, defense played so well tough to pick one defensive player of the game in this one you went with a few
1: it's it's rivalry week i mean you should have <laughs> picked uh, should have picked more people but we had uh so many people who played pivotal roles as well as just played their best game um i mean you know obviously the turnovers uh the takeaways just the stoutness up front um you know the physicality of just the backers all those things I mean, there's just so many people that contributed to it that played with belief uh did a really good job and, and just had huge games
0: so all those guys you see right there get special mention from Coach E for their defensive efforts against utah those are the defensive players of the week all right as we go to break a reminder that the dinner it after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it. In Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. Well, this Saturday, it's BYU home to Arizona State. Get your pregame on with Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio. That'll begin at 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to the ASU game and go to social media for Coach Tuiaki. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys, BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event, and by Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, coming up this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It is a pairing of ranked programs. Number 23, BYU hosting 19th and 21st ranked Arizona State. First meeting in 23 years. Defensive coordinator Eli Satuayaki with me. And after so much focus and mental energy directed toward Utah and that streak, at least, at least externally, uh, you shift that focus now to a third straight Pac-12 team to open the year.
1: Yeah, that's – that's. Uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was hard for me to get any sleep on, on Sunday. It was just on cloud nine the whole time. But it's uh, – you know, felt like traveling back from Vegas after a late night game and then this late night one and with the with the with the the high of just trying to go to church and you know <laughs> walk in and everything <laughs> <laughs> And then coming back down and saying, OK, now it's, it's the next opponent. That's uh, I think it's important for us to do that. And the players will be ready to do that today.
0: Quarterback Jaden Daniels, uh, the consummate dual threat guy, right? Uh, leads the team in rushing with a pass efficiency pushing 150.
1: Really talented player. I think their whole team's talented. They've got a a really good roster, they've got great bodies, they've got a lot of speed, Uh, they they play physical, and and the the quarterback, I think, is a special player.
0: Now, they've played Southern Utah and UNLV. You've played Arizona and Utah. You've faced some pretty good live fire uh, for two straight weeks to get you ready for a third straight P5 here.
1: Yeah, yeah, so our our boys will be ready, and they'll be be up for the challenge. The the challenge, again, for us is is when you go in playing two P5 teams and, and the physicality of the games, um, you know just try to stay healthy trying to practice the right way make sure we get to the get to the fight on Saturday with with enough guys that are healthy and ready to play. Um, is going to be the key for us
0: speaking to P5 uh, you were locked in on the Utah game plan But while that was all going on the Big 12 news was percolating and finally breaking on Friday That the Cougars accept the invite to the Big 12 here effective in a couple of seasons Your thought on being part of a program that has now uh, earned the right to put the P5 label uh, on 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 this program Yeah, it's
1: ex- excited uh, ecstatic just for the for the coaching staff for Kalani for the players for the fans I think it's uh, you know just through throughout the whole program, it's that's a huge thing, and I know we've with, with what happened in 2016 and then finally being able to get in it now is uh, I think it's huge for us. We couldn't be happier.
0: What do you think the ultimate impact will be moving forward?
1: You know, obviously, just the the, the way that you operate. There's uh, you know things change with your budget and. Uh, You know, uh, the the type of kids that you're recruiting. I mean, obviously we have our niche and and we're not going to change much as far as the type of kids that we're getting. But the type of kids that you're probably going to be able to get in on, um, you know, just broadens a little bit. and You have more to to pick from.
0: Okay, to social media now for a couple of questions for coach. Uh, Congrats on a great win and a great game plan. This coming in from Michael Christensen He says one of the standouts on defense last year was George Udo. Uh, we've not seen him yet this year as he comes back from injury. Will we see him on the field this week or sometime
1: soon? Probably not this week, but uh, I think in the next few weeks he'll, he'll get back up to 100%. I mean, he's, he's running, he's doing everything, but he's just, he's just uh, still fresh from surgery. He, he nine months out of, out of surgery. We want to wait and give him proper time to heal before we bring him back.
0: Okay, second question coming in from real sports fan in the game against Utah. We were aggressive on defense He says and had a lot of success with it. Do you see the defense using that success again this week against a potent ASU team?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's the that's the plan. It's you know, sometimes uh, the aggression that you see on on TV um, Pays off and you think that it's all aggression and and there wasn't any aggression before there's certainly aggression every single week And there's time to pick when to do it and when not Um, but uh, you know, staff will put together a, a, a good plan and we'll like we were talking about before, we'll, we'll we'll have guys that'll troubleshoot, we'll have guys that'll be creating things, and and we'll get to the end of the week and think we'll feel good about our plan.
0: All right, well, best of luck in formulating that game plan and going to three-0 on Saturday. E, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, that is Coach Eli Satuiaki. Get set for the Cougars and the Sun Devils on BYU TV's countdown to kick off. That'll be Saturday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Mountain Time. Coming up next, we'll bring in special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb. This is the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Second half hour of the show getting underway now as we welcome in special teams coordinator and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb and the Cougs, two days removed from BYU's 26-17 home win over Utah in the Cougs' regular season home opener. The win snapping a nine-game skid against the Utes and launching BYU into the AP and Coaches' top 25 polls while bouncing the Utes out of those polls. BYU now 2-0 and for a second straight season. Hello and congratulations, Coach Lamb. Thanks. Well, before we get into the game itself, uh, what a week it was uh, really to open, you know, the home opening week for BYU. You have the, uh, the opening win over Arizona in Vegas, then a week of speculation capped by the Big 12 invitation, then the win over the Utes for the first time since '09. I know you were laser focused on all the football, but uh, the Big 12 news happening on the eve of the game itself made for, well, a great weekend. It
2: did, and I think we can all appreciate it. Especially those of us that have grown up in the area or, or, or been uh, our alums of, of BYU football. Is like we have a job to do. There's a lot to focus on, but at the same time, we can appreciate the atmosphere and what's going on, all the excitement around the program in general, the athletic de- athletics department in general. What do you think uh, the Big Twelve impact will be for this program moving forward? Um, you know, I. I really think that uh, as, as alums, as, as people who came through the program, we've always seen BYU in a certain way. And, um, and perhaps now the, those who haven't been here, like uh, you know, young recruits that, that don't know that BYU has always had success against Power Five programs, we've always carried ourselves that way. We've always strived to compete at the highest level and there's a legacy of that success here that you own when you, when you become a part of BYU football. And I think some of that recognition may help us open some recruiting doors.
0: Okay. How did you how did you how did you look at the streak and how was it addressed with the team if it was?
2: Yeah, I think the streak's a little different for everybody. In fact, I spoke I always speak to the team on Tuesday nights when Kalani has his media obligations. And and uh, that's what I spoke on is, you know, how many how many guys in the program had been a part of all nine defeats? You know, of course, you know, it's like some trainers and administrators, you know, there's nobody's been around that long. And so to each person, it's a little bit different and certainly to our team our team had never faced that Utah team. And so it's a one, one game event each year. And I just focused on that point. That's, that's the way I always feel. I know it sounds like coach speak, but I think players really see it that way too. And and now maybe uh,
0: the rivalry enters a a new and different phase, one where there's a little more back and forth. Uh, Both teams will be P5, for example, next time they meet, and maybe that will play into how this thing proceeds. Who knows?
2: Sure, and and it brings up a great point. We don't we don't expect to win next time because we won this time any more than we expected to lose this time because we lost last time. With so much attention
0: on turnovers, and there was a legitimate impact on this on, on this series with turnover margin, um, how gratifying was it then to see BYU's first two defensive series ends with, end with takeaways?
2: Yeah, it was, it was you know, the, the individual efforts by the guys, the guys out on the field, and then and, and, uh, you know there's a certain mystique I think, that you're playing against when when the guys are aware of the history, the mystique of you know they've, they've established takeaways and we haven't. we call them takeaways on defense and turnovers on offense. And to get those two takeaways, I think was a real boost of morale for our players.
0: Now, BYU scores three points off the two turno- turnovers gained, the takeaways in in Utah territory. But on, on the one non-scoring post-turnover possession, there was a great punt and pin executed by special teams. And even though Ryan Rico had to take something off, something off that one, he was crushing everything else. But that punt and pin, even though it wasn't points scored, it accomplished an important purpose.
2: It did. Yeah, There's, the field position is a huge part of the game, especially a game like that that we know going in. There's going to be physicality. There's going to be an establishment of the run game. I think both coaches, head coaches, both programs really set the tone for it. this is how you win this game. You have to be more physically physical. You have to establish a run game. You have to stop the run game on defense. And so field position, of course, is a big part
0: of that. You you're running for 200 plus, plus two in the turnover margin and a plus seven yards advantage in average starting field position, three main components. Uh, on the night, Ryan Rico ends up with a 53.2 yard average on five kicks. We'll get to the net number in a second, your thoughts on that. But in terms of pure leg strength and technique, uh, this is just me,
2: you know, does, does Ryan have a next level swing and next level leg? And there's no question about it. Yeah, he's, he's ready to go and uh, we're lucky to have him and keep him for as long as we can. He's very efficient with his steps. He doesn't have to load up. He's not swinging hard, you know, to put it in a golf analogy. He doesn't do that. He's got all the ability right there in his body. He lets his body do the work. Now,
0: BYU's net punt number, uh, not as impressive as Ryan's gross number. Uh, there was a 27-yard and a 35-yarder on punt returns on, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah,
2: I, I take a big part of that on myself. I think as, a, as the special teams coach, I've got to find the right balance between challenging the opponent and kicking the ball to the returners and then uh, being smart about the way that we do it. We can, we can directionally punt. We can use our rollout punts. There's some things that we could have done in that game a lot better, and we will be better. Utah had two back on at least one, maybe more.
0: Um, does that at all impact assignments? And was that a distraction, or did that contribute to one of them?
2: It, it does. And and uh, one of the things that we do every snap, our our personal protector, he he calls out the number of returners. It's part of our cadence, mm. and uh, and you know just not having um, seen that before, I'm not sure that that cadence was quite communicated in the way that it, that it needed to be, at least as loud as it should could have been and and should have been, and and so we had some guys surprised on that.
0: Jake Oldroyd didn't kick in the season opener, but he got your scoring underway on Saturday and then, of course, closed it as well. Uh, What will the approach be with him uh, maybe week to week and game to game relative to availability this season, do you think?
2: Yeah it's it's really a lot like uh, like all of our established starters guys that have made plays over the years they're the, you know they're the they're the guy if they're healthy and ready to go and practice then they're the guy and so we'll continue to do that with Jake we have a high level of trust in him and whatever he needs to do to prepare and be ready to practice and play is you know that's really between him and the the medical staff and the strength staff and they did a great job this week of bringing him back. He was he was completely not ready uh, one week ago, and I thought he was full speed in the game. Is it a really hit and
0: miss thing with him, or are you confident that he can settle into like a maintenance program where you feel like you you can count on him each week? How does it, how do you how do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I think I think he's got to find his strike zone, and I, I would characterize it to just the the decision that I have to make each week about how aggressive are we going to be uh, with our game plan and everything, and and he's got to do the same thing with his body. He he loves to be in the weight room with the boys. He loves to be one of the players. I I think that's an important part of being a specialist and yet it's got to be secondary or there at least has to be a balance between getting his his body ready to kick he's not a linebacker he's not a he's not a defensive back and he has to train as such and i thought he did a good job of that this week okay
0: back to the utah game uh cougars take a 10 nothing lead and the cougars have not trailed since a game last december uh just scoring first has meant a lot to this team under kalani byu is now 24 and 6 and has won 10 in a row when just being the first team to score, and you had the first two scores against Utah, not a guarantee of success, but uh, this has been an excellent front-running program. But it sure. does, uh,
2: in, in a lot of ways, impact how you call a game when you have a lead. Absolutely, it does, because that's the, you know, that's, that's the primary. You, you know, every, every pitcher in baseball, every, every football coach, you go into the game with your primary plan and then your contingencies. And if the primary plan on offense and de- defense is, is working to the point that you get that first score, then it's you know, first adjustments on the opponent. And there's a huge advantage to that. It's not that, it, uh, as you say, there's, uh, there's several ad- adjustments over the course of a game, offense, defense, and special teams. And there's going to be a series of those. And scoring first doesn't mean you're going to win. But it's a, it's a great step. In the game, up
0: 10-0. BYU answers that BYU touch. Utah answers the BYU touchdown with a TD of its own. So it's 10-7 midway through the second. Um, then a BYU three and out. And then Utah comes right back. And it's a fourth down stop on the Utes' next possession. So maybe it seems like, OK, Utah can get right back in this thing, maybe take a lead, and a fourth down stop inside the 10 was just massive, wasn't
2: it? Absolutely, and especially in the running game. That's, you know Utah chose to run there for a reason. The establishment of the run game in fourth and short for success is a huge advantage for the offensive team. And to stop it in that situation is a huge advantage for the defensive team, a confidence boost. Again, uh, the adjustment later in the game to know that we had stopped uh, and stuffed the run on several occasions, it changes the way they have to call their offense. And, uh, you know, I just think overall there were a lot of games within the game, and that was one game and, and mm. one battle within the war that we were able to come out on top.
0: And immediately following uh, the fourth down stop, what followed was a thing of beauty. 3:14 uh, on the second quarter clock, 11 plays, 93 yards, and a touchdown at the end of it. I mean, that's a lot of snaps and a lot of yards to get in in three minutes and 10 seconds, but that's exactly how you'd
2: want to end a half in this game. That's right, and, and there's a pretty good streak of that going back now. Uh, you know, I think uh, 20-something games, where um, where we've really had, you know, at least the awareness as a team of how important that those last couple of minutes of the of the half are, and um, really pleased with the way our offense kind of protected the football, opened it up. We didn't get into two-minute hurry-up right away. We weren't trying to leave the opponent time, but uh, to do that efficiently, to score in that situation. And to use the clock, uh, there, there are two challenges going on right there, and that was a huge series in the game.
0: Now, we, on that sequence right there, uh, there was a non-sportsmanlike conduct flag thrown, and so what you had was a long PAT, yeah. and, and it's a kick you could make, right? But you didn't make it, uh, you know, a bit of a downer going into halftime. But that said, uh, it was still about as well as you could play to end the half right there.
2: It is. That's one of those lessons that you know, our whole team can learn from and to be able to come away with a victory and learn some lessons. It's really a part of I think one of the kind of roll the dice fortunate parts of having a winning season is you learn some things along the way, but you don't have the sting of the loss and the downward momentum that sometimes comes with
0: losing. All right, so in that moment, BYU led 16-7 at the break. We'll be taking a break right now. The nine-point margin will be the winning margin. We'll talk about how the Cougars secured that margin after this. When we come back, we'll finish off our Utah look back and recap and identify this week's special teams and offensive players of the week. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We're back with more right after this. The kick is on its way. And it is through for three. The Cougars have opened on top in the rivalry game. We are back on the coordinator's corner with special teams coordinator and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. BYU 2-0 on the season with two wins over Pac-12 programs. Arizona in the opener, Utah last Saturday. The win over the Utes snapping a nine-game, 12-year skid against the rivals. BYU and Utah will now take a two-year break. We're chatting with BYU special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. And, uh, you know, after a season of mostly silent venues last year, you had the vegas experience which was great then you're back in a packed Lavelle bridge stadium on saturday night uh what a way to open the year for you guys in stark contrast to last year
2: yeah yeah what an environment our fans have created for the first two games to have a neutral site game that doesn't feel neutral at all feels like a home game and then to come back to that that stadium there i know there's some been some great crowds that I've been a part of over the years, where you can still see a couple of seats up in the corners kind of empty. And this one looked like there were just people standing in all the aisles. It was a fantastic environment that our players fed off of. And then by the end of it, they were standing on the
0: grass. (laughs) They were, no doubt about it. Well, BYU in this game led 16-7 at halftime. Utah deferred to take the ball to start the second half. But the BYD then takes care of that uh, business with a three and out, and then next possession, it's a missed field goal uh, for Utah. You combine that with the earlier fourth and two and uh, stop, and BYU is keeping points off the board. And at the same time, the offense perfect in the red zone this year. Now seven for seven, five touchdowns.
2: Yeah, they've been really clean in their, in their execution, and their operation. And that that comes from you know, that comes right on down from Jaron, who's handling the ball on every snap, and to be to be executing uh, so clean in the way that they are. Um, We really haven't been pressed, haven't been behind to the point where they need to stretch a little bit. And there's always an advantage gaining a lead and and holding on to a lead. It changes the way the game is called, changes the way the quarterback executes. But um, at, at this point, they've done such a nice job of protecting those leads. I researched
0: this back to 1972. It's as far as my record, my personal records go back to Lavelle's first year. And back to 1972 to now, BYU's on its first ever run of
2: three straight games with no giveaways. Oh that, yeah, that's incredible. i hadn't I hadn't kept track of that. That's an interesting stat. And again, credit credit the guys who are handling the football. There were a yep. lot of talk on the sideline. The coaches emphasize it. They work on it every single day. Our offensive coaches and in uh, their individual drills, it's what they start practice with, and it's showing up. okay, twenty three seven
0: lead into the fourth quarter against Utah, but like in the Arizona opener, Utah scored ten straight points to make it a one score game. Uh, Kalani said, uh, even when things tightened up, he sensed a confident vibe on the sideline, even that even at that point.
2: There were, and there, yeah, I think we could tell at that point that uh, Utah was necessarily pressing. And when teams when teams press, it's it's kind of there's going to be some things happen, and some things happen for them. But we we felt like some some good things were going to happen for us as well. And then the answer by by our offense there was just a huge huge part of the game.
0: Now, just like in the Arizona game, you needed one score basically to kind of seal the deal. Jake Oldroyd opened and closed the scoring for BYU. The 21-yarder at the end, near the end, gave you the point you needed to come away with the nine-point win. And by the way, Jake's now hit 15 straight field goal tries. That equals the BYU all-time record set by Owen Potchman.
2: Yeah, we had a high level of confidence there after those uh, last couple of first downs that we were getting down. I kept giving the percentage to uh, to Coach Roderick in that situation. You know, we're 82% from here, and and at the point where we got to 98%, that we were feeling really good about taking a two-score lead there.
0: <laughs> I think the third down play before the field goal ran toward the middle. Was that kind of a placement thing? Just get if you don't get into the end zone, get down. Near, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: we didn't necessarily want to kneel it. You know, we right. still, still want to be aggressive, and we we called a regular run blocking play. But uh, the idea there for the for the running. Back Back was to try to punch it right through the middle of the defense. And if, if we don't quite get in the end zone, then we've got a direct shot field goal.
0: Felt like a PAT, right? It did. As I was saying on the air, I'm like, guys, just treat it like a PAT. No, no trouble. Just go hit it. That's right. All right. right. Um, let's get to players
2: of the game now. We'll start with special teams. Sure, yeah, top rock was Jacob Boren. He, he worked his butt off on uh, on punt coverage all night, really fought in that area. But on uh, kickoff coverage, he had a great tackle, nice face-up full-speed tackle on the one that Utah did try to return in the kickoff game. Pepe Tanvasa is just a solid guy for us on defense and all the special teams. He did a tremendous job blocking in the punt return and the kickoff return. And then, and then the two specialists, uh, Ryan was a, a game changer. I, again, I take a lot of the, the net punting um, difficulties we had, I'll, I'll take that on myself. Ryan certainly did his job with hang time and distance and then, and then Jake delivered on the field goals, which ended up being a big part of the game.
0: Not that you want to have him punt so much that he qualifies for honors he didn't get last year with so few punts, but that said, if Jake Oldred were to, or rather if Ryan Rico were to end up in that kind of category, He's got to be one of the
2: top punters in the country, right? That's right. Yeah, and we, we you know, we don't. Uh, it, obviously, when the punter stays off of the field, that means that means great things for the offense. But it, as far as the punter and the punt team and the punt coach, we don't look at it as a as a defensive uh, giveaway. We're we're looking to go out there and be aggressive and do something that changes the game. And he has the ability to help us in that area. Tell us how your long snapping competition went this year. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it has worked out a lot like it did last year. We feel like that we've got two. Great snappers for both the short snaps and the long snaps, but uh, the the margin of difference there has been so small. But there is a clear margin between our short snaps of Britt Hogan being a little uh, more accurate in that area, and then Austin Riggs more accurate on the punt snaps. And so that's that's kind of how they've done it. They back each other up. There's strong encouragement for each other. They work on both phases in practice every day, and we're in fortunate position to have them both. You feel good to have that situation. Is that a quote-unquote luxury to have when you have the specialist
0: being that specialized? Yeah, it's insurance. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, offensive player of the game came from Coach Roderick, and the offensive nod on a night when a lot of guys played really well was the man with the ball in his
2: hands every snap, and that's James Embry. Yeah, we did a great job on the interior of the offensive line, and that's always got to start with the center. Utah plays, uh, you know, a fair amount of of uh, move, movement front. And- oh. Yeah, over the center at times, and and he was able to just on his combination blocking, and move it, and um, identify the fronts and identify some of the pressures that they had coming just by the pre-snap looks and where the where the linebackers are going. He always does such a great job at that. He's a calming influence, communicates really well. He, it all starts with him. Utah is so good at getting O-line to jumpy, aren't they? They are. They are, and and you know Kalani did a good job of identifying early. They were trying to get our offensive line to jump with with uh, vocal. Uh, Calls and and that's not part of the game. That's illegal and so Kalani was able to alert the officials to that and I think after that point We tended we we cleaned it up Utah was still moving and they're still good at it It's still a big part of what they do, but they weren't able to simulate the snap count verbally
0: Okay time again for a break and as we step away We'll remind you that for your daily Cougar sports play-by-play tune in weekdays to BYU sports nation at noon eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, we'll look ahead to the Arizona State game and take questions from social media. You are in the coordinator's corner. Brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Hall goes shotgun, takes off, throws for the end zone. It is cut in the end zone! Left side of the end zone! You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. This Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, BYU and Arizona State meet with both teams ranked in the top 25. Both teams 2-0, and ASU with wins over SUU and UNLV. BYU playing a third straight Pac-12 team after wins over Arizona and Utah. Special teams coordinator, assistant head coach Ed Lamb with us. Uh, back to the field storm for a quick second. Uh, where were you during that whole tumult there
2: post game against Utah? Oh, I was, in, I was in the locker room by the time the fans started coming okay, up. Okay, you got off the yeah, field. Yeah, that, that's, that's a moment for the players. And I, I have my iPad with Arizona State video, and I was watching Arizona State video. I was the only one in the locker room for about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how long you were by yourself. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, we see
0: Kalani being on the, uh, lifted on the shoulders, and then uh, a few moments later in the locker room,
2: it's time for Kalani to get the, ga- get the game ball. That was a neat moment. Uh, It was. It was a uh, great leadership moment by Jaron Hall there. Kalani puts so much of his heart and passion into everything that uh, our program does. And it was a great moment uh, for him personally and for the team and and for the team to recognize what he puts into it, what he gives for them. That he is a player-centric coach. He's about the players first and for them to give a little something back. Like, I know it meant a lot to him.
0: It was a a great moment. And I'm sure some people, as we're seeing here, have seen that moment on, on social media. Uh, this weekend and uh, very thoughtful and very appropriate and uh you feel a
2: a true genuine outpouring for the for the head man there don't you that's a good that's a great word genuine authentic it's and it's both ways it starts from the head coach down and and college football isn't always like that and so our our players i think they most of them really know how uh, special it truly is here and how much he cares for each one of them and uh, recognizes their value as a person above their value as a football player well, since
0: you were already in the locker room looking ahead to Arizona State uh, during the field storm, what are some thoughts you have in terms of a thumbnail scout on the Sun Devils?
2: Oh, they're, they're a, a super dynamic football team offensively and defensively. They'll challenge you on defense. They, they, they play a lot of a man-to-man coverage, which is the, the mark of an aggressive, competent team. Um, they, they pressure a lot as well on offense. They've got a quarterback who's capable of doing it through the air and on the ground and uh, a lot of speed, a lot of team speed overall, and in the, in the special teams as well. Another big challenge for us on punt coverage with a great punt returner, so it's, uh, it's going to be a definite challenge for our team. Okay, 60 seconds left in the show. Time for one social media question.
0: We referenced the punt and pin and showed it earlier. The question from Gary Slack coming in asks, uh, how do
2: you coach players to down punts inside the five-yard line? That's, the, that's the, what we call the sky punt area, and, and our free release guys, we call them the gunners, where we typically have three or four of those guys on any given snap. Uh, they're responsible when they get down inside the 20 yard line, not just to find the punt return, but also find the ball, and then a decision has to be made. Whether the, whether the returner is actually playing the football or whether he's trying to pull the, the coverage away from the ball itself and let it go into the end zone. And so we've that's something that we practice every Monday and every Thursday, take several reps at it, and the guys did a good job there. It all starts with a great punt that dies, of course, inside the team. Right. It was well executed uh, last Saturday. All right. Ed, thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh,
0: the contributions, the feedback, and the uh, preview for next week. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, Greg. All right, that's Coach Lamb. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinators Corner. We are back with you next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time for Coaches Tuiaki and Lamb. My name is Greg Grubel. Go Cougs and have a great week.